listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today, we're very excited to have in studio with us Miles Guthrie, the owner of American Temperature Solutions. Miles, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, we really appreciate you being here. Um, I, I want to just, in full disclosure, start out with... Uh, I use Miles uh, not only for uh, recommendations for my clients, but he also does work in my home. Uh, we just actually replaced in a, uh, the entire furnace and AC. Great work um, and great warranties and great product. And uh, so I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, you need to be calling American Temperature Solutions for your HVAC needs. There we go. There, Miles told- and I have done business together for a long time now. So, um, and I'm, I'm really excited because, Miles, you know, you and I have had some great conversations, and I'm just really excited to share some of that information with our listeners. Let's start, though, by giving people a little bit of history. So the pandemic, of course, changed and, and to be honest, continues to change uh, things for all of us, uh, some good, some bad. Uh, but professionally, it, it's made a pretty big impact for you, right, leading to the, to, to the, the creation of American Temperature Solutions. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey, if you don't mind. Well, when COVID uh, first came up, everybody was paranoid about having, you know, uh, contractors in their house. They scared that, you know, the boogeyman was out. They're going to catch the COVID. And so they came with the same thing with retail stores and big department stores. And so the work got real, real slow for commercial guys. It got real slow for residential guys. And before you knew it, there was a lot of no work, layoffs, things like that happened. Well, as a single parent, I was like, I have to figure out a way to make this happen. I got to figure out how to pay the bills. And so I found a way to make a company um, that we weren't so pushy about getting into people's houses. We were more structured on we could work around people's scheduling a little bit better. We didn't have to be exactly in the department stores to make things happen. We could do a lot of the stuff from the rooftop units. We knew how to do the maintenances and fix problems. And you know, with everything now in IT, you can pretty much run almost any thermostat off a cell phone. So there wasn't much need for a face-to-face. And it didn't seem like a lot of people wanted to do that because there wasn't a big era to sell because they wanted to sell somebody something all the time. And so I came up with this idea to start American Temperature Solutions <clears throat> Excuse me, and find a way to get around all of that. And so after being laid off, the union laid us all off. There was nowhere to go. I did what I had to do, started up my own company with things I had laying around the garage, extra material I've had over the years, and I made it happen. Right, and, and, and very successfully from, from my perspective, not even a, a, a realtor's perspective, but a homeowner's perspective because – um, as you know, um, we've had you in uh, when uh, before vaccinations were a thing and before we knew anything that was going on from a science perspective. And, uh, you know, you were and of course, I have an 80 uh, an octogenarian living in the house. So you were very respectful. If I ask you to put on a mask, you put one on during, you know, that kind of stuff. And even today, I'm sure you would, although now based on, you know, what we know in science and vaccination status, it's not important in my house for the two of us. But um the uh, the the pandemic, though, in HVAC created some other problems. So let's just kind of jump right into. I know one of the things we've discussed, which is uh, we see in HVAC uh, this push for UV lighting in the units as a air quality and specifically being sold as a control measure for COVID. 
Um, so what? First of all, does UV lighting kill COVID? Now I know you're not a scientist, but I know you also read a lot of HVAC journals, et cetera. Is this really going to solve people's problems in their homes? No, I'm glad we talked about that because what happened when COVID first came out is everyone got on this. Um, let's sell something now. Why we're not getting in people's houses? We need a way to make money, revenue. We got to come up with this idea. Before the vaccine was even really brought out, before people knew what COVID was, all the HVAC companies would say all, but a majority of them came out with this great big deal of UV lights, protect yourself, protect your family. They put fear first, and they found out the way to drive profits up by using fear, selling that this UV light would save you from it, the boogeyman. And it really wasn't what it, it really wasn't what it was. UV lights have been out for years, and we've used them. Um, I don't know where they got the idea that all of a sudden, because it kills bacteria, they thought COVID is now a bacteria. It's going to, you know, it's going to be fixed. And it's not. It's a virus. Yeah. And so they're like, you know, they, they advertise for pollen and allergies and things like that. But all of a sudden now they're like, oh, well, it'll do COVID. And you're like, well, where did that come from? Knowing what we know that UV lights are harsh, you know, on the components of your coils. We know that they're, once they're covered with dust, just, you know, over the, you know, the six months, a year, the dust that gets inside there covers the bulb. So it's not direct penetration from the UV light to whatever it's, you know, whatever it's hitting. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of things. And then the cost of the bulbs, the replacements, I mean, the weighing out the options, uh, you know, my personal thought on it is, you know, hey, that's you know, not really something you should do if you're worried about COVID. I mean, well, UV light wouldn't be what I would go with. Right. Well, so after you and I discussed it, uh, I went out and did some reading, and, and essentially it, it just exactly mimicked what you just said, which is once the bulbs get dust on them, they're not effective. They're not like the end all. They don't actually kill COVID. The ones that do kill things and, and do make your air uh, uh, pure, if you will, they're the type, not the type of UV light that you grab to go check whether your, your cat has peed on the carpet. They're the I think it's like a Class C or whatever, and that damages all the nonmetal components inside. And so in three years, you're replacing pans and all of that to say nothing of the maintenance and the bulb expense. So, yeah, I'm with you. I really, you know, and, and we talk about it all the time on the podcast about getting real information to consumers and not, you know. Um, we don't like fear-mongering. We like facts. Yeah, yeah. and so so fact is, uh, don't don't buy into the hype that a UV... Wash your damn hands. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and wash your hands and and uh, cover your mouth when you sneeze and wear a mask when you need to and those kinds of things. So uh, that's good, right? And, and so some people, right? The news sells us a lot of fear, and so it's understandable that people are a little bit concerned and they have health concerns or elderly or immunocompromisation or whatever. So. The, the, the concerns or the, the, the fears they have or the cautiousness they have is real, and, and, and that's perfectly acceptable. But, yeah, be careful that you're not getting preyed onto it. And, unfortunately, that's a segment where some people in the HVAC industry ha- have done that. So thanks for clearing that up. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit uh, more about uh, really just HVAC in general and uh, homeowners uh, probably two topics that fit together, but um, or, or maybe a good transition. A- another place that I don't think we as consumers really understand what's going on um, is is carbon monoxide coming out of your HVAC s- system, and when how dangerous that really is. W- w- yeah, w- when there is a danger, how dangerous it is, etc. So, would you walk us through some what you know what's going on with? W- tell us all about carbon monoxide. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, you know it's known as the silent killer, odorless, you know, tasteless, everything. You don't even know if it's in the room or not. And so, um, 
we'll do this will be like a two-part so i'll teach you a little bit about the carbon monoxide and then where it applies in and on the homeowner and you know all that good stuff so carbon monoxide is three percent lighter than air and we know that from years of doing this they said well put your carbon monoxide down by your furnace put it down there by your hot water heater you know that way if there's ever an issue it'll go off well what they haven't really talked about is how carbon monoxide since it is three percent lighter air once it's heated it rises with the air so it's not going to be in your basement it's going to be upstairs in your bedroom along the ceiling it's going to be you know up lingering in the hallway you know right above the attic fan somewhere i mean it's going to be in those areas and so you know it really wasn't looked at like that the carbon monoxide detectors you usually put down like on your nightstand it's you know once it's out there it's up there so that's how i always say it so go upstairs test upstairs look around like that um, well, you know, that's, I mean, I, I can tell you, I, I've fallen into that. I didn't know that. Yeah, me neither. And so that's a great tip is you don't want that in your basement. You want that upstairs where you're living. Well, you want it where your smoke detectors are because yeah. we know to put those where the smoke is going to rise to. So what you're yeah. saying is your carbon monoxide detector or detectors need to be elevated as well. And then so your, those detectors, let's talk about those. The store-bought ones are 70 parts per million for one hour before they go off. We're talking, 70 parts per million is quite a bit. Figuring that you're not supposed to have any in your air, but you're now your that monitor will go off at 70. So if you flip the monitor over and you read the back, it'll tell you people with health conditions need a lower uh, detecting monitor, which they do sell, and those usually are about five parts per million. And so, you know, if you're worried about it, go with a like a lower one, a lower ambient one that'll pick up that carbon, you know, sooner. And so they sell them at the stores. Uh, I'm sure Amazon has them. Just look for one that you know low detection, not high. Because, um, again, lingering around in 70 for an hour, what if it's lingering at 65, you know, it'll never go off. It could be 65 for days, months. You know, you trap yourself in your house, you plastic your windows, you seal up your house airtight, and then you trap yourself in there with carbon monoxide. And people really don't pay attention to it. It's not really something thought about. Uh, carbon monoxide will give you um, health issues, make you feel like you have the flu, headaches, things like that. And people think, oh, it's just, you know, a common cold. Might be that, you know, you look at your house and think, do I have a gas uh, furnace? Do I have a gas uh, stove in, in the kitchen? Uh, if you have a gas stove in the kitchen, I mean, how many houses do we know don't have a um, circulation fan above the stove? Right. You know, I grew up in a house without one, never thought anything of it until I got into the industry and started learning it. So you're burning a gas right there in the kitchen with no way to get rid of the fumes. You have mm. a campfire in your kitchen. And right. <laughs> and then you turn Swords. your furnace then you turn your furnace on and your furnace sucks that carbon monoxide right out of that room and dispenses it equally through your house. So evenly you have carbon monoxide now in every single room, not just one. And so now that's lingering in there. And so, you know, then you go around how often do you check your carbon monoxide batteries? Do you wait for it to beep and bing and you know, do all those noises and how many times do you ignore it before you finally go change the batteries? Well, sure. And if you've got it down in, in, in the basement by your furnace, like a lot of people do, then when it goes dead, if it's beeping down and you don't spend time in your basement that often, yeah. it could go completely dead. You wouldn't know. And it's like, oh, it's fine. It hasn't beeped in years. Yeah. So a little telltale. I mean, before you go downstairs, go down to your furnace, look around your furnace, look at the flue pipe that comes off the top of your furnace. Is it discolored? Does it have rust, like watery rust looking spots coming out of the screw holes? You know, if you grab it and just kind of put pressure on it, is it crunchy? Do you hear things falling down? All that is acidic acid inside of the flue due to it not fluing right. There could be a bird's nest in it. There could be all kinds of stuff in your flue. You know, there's, there's, I mean, we go on for hours about this, but the, the general idea is that it's not fluing out. So why isn't it fluing out? Where are those gases going? They're going up, hitting a bird's nest, coming back down, going through the Y pipe, and out the top of your hot water heater. 
Okay. And now it's in your house. It's okay. in your house. Well, so let me slow down because that was some really great advice. Uh, so let me slow down. So you're talking about the pipes that, that the vent pipe that mm-hmm. comes out of your computer, uh, out of your computer. I'm looking at a computer. <laughs> IT out geek. Of, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Out of your furnace. So let's, first of all, let's, let's warn people that those get hot. Yeah. And okay. so you don't want to just go grab them. So be very careful um, and maybe even grab your oven mitt. But if what you're saying is if you're seeing like in the screws, like some rust or some water leakage uh, in the seals or even on the pipe itself, and then you grab it like you and, and test it like you might do a baked potato mm-hmm. and, 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 and it feels everything's food for me today. I can't imagine why you said uh, you said can't find your kitchen. And I said s'mores. So, <laughs> um, but you grab it and it feels kind of crunchy. Then you've probably got a ventilation problem. I would look for the rust. I would look for the rust. I would look for the watery looking, you know, because it's going to once it goes up there, if it doesn't if it doesn't escape the roof fast enough you know it'll turn into condensation and run back down and that acidic acid will actually eat the metal on the way down so that's where you get all those big heavy metal flakes you know inside your furnace which you know uh, will run down inside your heat exchanger if it makes it that far but a lot of times it'll hit an elbow and stack up in an elbow or in a t or a y and and it'll rust out and you'll have holes in it you know there's a lot of times people don't know that there's holes in their flute they've never inspected it because it goes up and it hits the bottom of the floor and it just disappears in the wall through the attic and out the roof, and you know they they never have inspected it ever. So that's a that's a great great home maintenance tip, which yeah. is you know um, if, if you're starting to see this rust in that pipe that comes, remember it, it's going to be hot. Um, they can look though; he's giving yeah. them a yeah, visual tip, yeah. like you can look at this. But but uh, you know that's something to have have somebody come look at and make sure that you've got the proper flow, which of course ties in to carbon monoxide, but it also creates all these other problems. Yeah, so, so go to the top of your hot water heater. There's little rubber garments, hot and cold, blue and red. If they're discolored, if they're brown, if they've melted, if they're I mean, there's a lot of things that says, hey, you know, it's not flowing out; it's coming back. And on top of your hot water heater, there is no sensors. There is no way to you know shut it off if it's not fluing right you could stick your hand over top of it and it would still run so if there's a bird and a nest in your flu it's just dumping the carbon monoxide right back off the hood of it and then there's your furnace sitting right next to it sucking in it right by the filter slot and putting it upstairs for you sure mm-hmm. and then so that's you know people come in your house hvac companies will come in your house and they'll swear to you that you have a cracked heat exchanger because you say hey my head's hurting i got a headache blah blah blah, blah. please inspect my furnace they go upstairs, they put out their meter, and they say, oh, yes, you have carbon monoxide in your house. It's your furnace. We must replace it. And they'll just sell you a furnace. And you think, oh, okay, I made it by. Well, then the next day when it's done, you could go up there and you say, hey, I still have carbon monoxide in my house. What's the issue? And then you got to go back to the fact, well, how was the flu? You know, how was the hot water heater? Was it vented right? You know, it 95% of the time is not your furnace. It's something else. So it's important to have somebody who's not willing, who's ready to jump to a conclusion and sell you a multi-thousand dollar piece of equipment yes. that's, that's in looking for some of maybe the more common reasons why you have it was poor ventilation. And, and through years of experience, I worked for one of the bigger contractors here in Kansas City, and that's what we are taught. Go in, find carbon monoxide. You found it. It's got to be the furnace. It's got to be a cracked heat exchanger. Well, then, you know, years later, we're studying it and finding out through classes, people saying, well, if it was such a big issue, why wouldn't every manufacturer double up on it, triple up on the thickness, you know, the way it works? Because if it's, they're just falling apart and putting people's lives in danger, you know, obviously we have a bigger problem here, but they're not. It's something else. It's, they're leaving it up to you, the technician, to go find it. And that's where you say, okay, well, you're thinking about that. We were talking about that uh, gas furnace. Who inspects gas furnaces? Do you, have, do you have somebody that just comes in and looks at it? Right, and there's no independent <laughs> there, inspector. There isn't anybody. Yeah. Right. Right. We can make a new business, don't you? Yeah, you have yeah. somebody come in. Who's it? It's technically actually up to the HVAC guy because the gas company. I mean, they'll come look at it if you ask them to. But you got you know appliance guys. 
they're not checking to see what the carbon oxide, you know, buildup is around. They want to know if it works. And you call the gas company and they red tag it. You don't have hot water anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of things. A quick little story. There's a lady over here in Gladstone who had a house and, you know, she kept getting headaches and this, that, and another. And she swore it was her furnace. A company came in, gave her a nice big bid for a new furnace, you know. And so I was like, I'd like to come over and take a look at it. You know, and she's like, well, I'm going to go with them because my home warranty people are going to cover it. I said, I'd still like to take a look. And so I came out there, we walked around there, and I put my uh, meter on the vents, and I was getting parts per million out of it. And I thought, okay, well, why? What, what is the issue here? We went downstairs, and she's got an electric hot water heater. Okay, well, it's not coming from down here, electric stove. So surely it's got to be. I mean, that's why the technician, obviously, that was there before me, said, okay, it's got to be this. Well, I got my meter up, walked down the hallway, you know, down by the thermostat, and boom, it's going off into the thousands parts per million. And I thought... How can that be? I'm only getting 40 or 50 out of the vents, and I'm getting 1,000 here in the hallway. There's got to be a bit, you know, bigger issue. So I started asking her questions about the house. How long you lived here? Blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, she's like, I get headaches every year. I think I need a humidifier. I think it's too dry in here. Blah, 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 blah. Sure. Well, right by the attic fan, that thing went up in the 2000s. And I thought, what is all this carbon dioxide doing up here by this attic fan? And so I took the attic fan down, got up in there. The new roofers had knocked the flue off and just left the flue in the attic, oh. and they put a brand new roof on, and so it's just venting into her attic and mm. seeping down through the attic fan, sucking back into the return, and being thrown around through the whole house. But she would have signed up, bought a brand new furnace, and she'd have the same issue year after year, you know, and got because sick. Because it wasn't and properly ventilated. Wasn't properly ventilated. Nobody took the time to go figure out where the carbon dioxide was coming from. They just figured, hey, it was coming from the furnace because, hey, it's coming out of the vent. And so mm. a technician will show up, hold the meter by their vent, and say, look here, you know, you got a cracked heat exchanger. These are numbers that you can't deny because my meter says so. And you've got to ask the question, well, why is it coming out? Well, and I think, I, I think the – and, of course, this is part of uh, what it attracted uh, me to using you is, is just in meeting you and working with you. You're not as concerned about making the dollar as, A, educating me as much as I want to be. But, but B, also really trying to find what the real problem is and not just uh, making that jump to conclusion that might, uh, might benefit you financially. Yeah. So I really appreciate that about you. But I, I think this is really just goes to say we say this in real estate and we say this with a lot of the people that we have on the podcast. It is so critically important that you have conversations and that you vet the people that you're using as experts, both realtors, right, HVAC professionals, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I mean, this is just just puts a big, huge spotlight on why that's so terribly important. Um, let's shift a, a little bit. It's not even a big shift, but I, I know we have. Uh, you know, it's mid October. We've got uh, cold weather, um, and and so let's talk a little bit and maybe tie it in with just sort of general homeowner maintenance, but let's talk about some cold weather prep coming up. That'd okay. be very useful for, yep, yep, for yeah. people. Not a problem. A lot of people like to tarp their AC units. That's a big thing now that, you know, they want to keep them. I've seen that a shine. lot. Yeah. Problem being is, you know, if the husband goes out and he tarps the AC unit and he covers it with a grill tarp or a tarp itself, bungees it up. Right. And then, you know, he leaves the power disconnect that's outside the power box that's hooked to it. And he leaves the power onto it. Spring rolls around, the wife kicks on the AC and burns the unit up in a few minutes. You know, if you're going to tarp your AC unit, you know, if we're talking about outside first, pull the power disconnect. Or, you know, you need to do something to make sure that everybody is aware that that thing is tarped, you know, for coming up. So I don't have a problem with tarping them. Just make sure when we go turn them back on, everybody in the household knows it's tarped so we don't burn them up. So there's a, there is right outside of your condenser unit outside, the AC outside, there is um, some, uh, uh, a, a, 
power plug that you can lift yeah. up and pull out, and yeah. that makes sure that turn it upside down. You take that thing out, you're gonna lose it. <laughs> turn it upside down. Yeah. Turn it upside down. Turn it upside down. Yeah. It goes right back in. I made. just know people. They'll put it somewhere, and then you'll lose get it. five thousand calls yeah. for. Little plugs that it says right on, on it, on and that'll all. be the supply chain issue next year. No, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But so, so that's critically important, so that that anyone in the house doesn't go. Oh man, it's a, it's it's a it's a hot winter day, and I just want to kick the air on and take. Yep. Your, yeah, so, you'll burn that thing up in minutes. That, that's that's great advice. So um, not um, only that, but that ties right into what I think probably one of the number one calls that people get um, to you is. Did you check your furnace filter, friends? Yep. Yep. Oh, That's well, next. Yes. Gen special. Did you check your filter? You know, where is it? You know, is it clean? When's the last time you changed it? One-inch filters are made to change every 30 days. Four- and five-inch filters every three to six months, depending on the pleat of the filter. But, you know, recommendation, ductwork, too. If you're a person who's got a lot of animals in the house, children in the house, your 30 days might be 15 to me, you know, or vice versa, you know, you know. It's all going to be different. You need to take it off of what you have inside your household. Just because it six says a six month filter doesn't mean it's going to last six months in your house. I would never ever think that someone should go six months without changing a filter. So check that it. would just be yeah. So yeah, if you got a four inch filter, check it every thirty days just to be safe. And it's a good way to save yourself money. If there's an issue in the basement, I mean, let's be honest. Who goes downstairs at their furnace once a month? You know, I do. I want to see is there water? Uh, is there this? Is there a reminder? Yeah. Yeah. On the first of every month, I check everything. You know, hey, what's this look like? Because I would hate to be gone somewhere and my thermostat batteries have been blinking, saying they're low on my thermostat, and I leave out of town, come back, and my house is frozen because it shut my furnace off. Right. You know, things like that. But at the furnace, let's talk about that. If you go to the furnace, is your filter clean? You know, when is the last time you had someone come out and check the burners? Well, let me ask. Let me stop at filters for a minute, and and so I'll just say this for our listeners because I know you know it. My personal philosophy is to buy them cheap and change them a lot, um, and, and um, that seems safer to me than buying the the ones that are advertising. They triple and quadruple filter, mm-hmm. and and uh, I don't. Those are actually the hardest on your unit, aren't it they? Is so it's hard. going to lessen the life of right. your unit. And I've always heard, and you can correct me as you're the expert, Miles, but the 30-day fiberglass filters are the absolute best for your equipment and just change them frequently. And they're yeah. the least expensive ones. Yeah, they, they cause resistance on the blower. So if the air can't go through the filter fast enough, they'll either overheat or on the AC side, it'll freeze up, can't get the air through the coil fast enough, it'll turn into an ice block. So, I mean, I know that they say there's a lot of stuff we were talking about, you know, people being scared of allergies and pollen and, you know, the filter is going to do all this stuff. But you, you know, you introduce all that when you open your front door. So that filter really isn't going to do what you think it's going to do. But I mean, it was a good has, sales tactic, it, right? It, it is. It, people are going to do what they're going to do. I just, you know, I go down and I get on Amazon. It's where I buy mine at. Yeah. And I buy, you know, a five pack, 10 pack and have it shipped to my front door for oh, half yeah, the cost buy, of what Home Depot sells it to me for. I buy them a case at a time. And yeah. then I just did, you know. Every 30 days. And it's great for me because I don't, Perfect I'm, in, I'm not trying to carry, you know, hundreds of filters on my trucks for everybody. I'd like to show up and you just have them sitting there. I'll change it for you. I mean, it's not a problem for me. I'll pull it out. It's the first thing I check. It looks dirty. I went ahead and changed the filter for you. And I take it with me, the junk one, and I throw it in the trash. I mean, it's just simple little things like that. I mean, it's easy. I mean, I would I do it for myself, so I expect you to do it too. You know, buy them in bulk. Save money. Yeah, I agree completely. So I just want to make sure the way I was doing it yeah. was a smart way yeah, to do it. Absolutely. So. absolutely. All right. So I, And then I had stopped you. So you were talking about uh, the burners, right? Yeah. Well, they, they – it's kind of the standard to have your furnace checked at least once a year. It's a safe bet, I should say. You know, um, a lot of companies are doing it twice a year. They're coming by in the spring. They're checking your AC. They don't even look at the furnace, and they bounce out, and they'll see you again here in a couple months, and they come back for the furnace, and they check it. 
that you've got flame rods in there that detect the flame. You have the igniter that ignites the flame. You have the gas burners, the valve. You have the control board. If it gets dust on it, they'll actually arc out on the backside and burn up. Your transformers are down there. Just little things like that that take 30 minutes that could save you hundreds nor thousands of dollars just by staying up on it once a year. Just come by, have your guy come by in the fall before it gets too cold, and he comes by and he says, hey, let me button up the AC. Let me check the charge on it. Let me see how clean it was, see if there's anything going wrong with it. I'll button it up, and it should be good to go for spring. And then you look at the furnace. Hey, you know, here's your furnace. Here's what I anticipate might happen this year. You know, blower sounds a little funky from running all summer long at 100 mile an hour, you know, trying to keep the cooling going. And now here it goes. It's not going to shut off. Now it's going to run nonstop all winter. So let's really dive into that blower motor and make sure it's going to last. And then, you know, there's not too much to the burner components, but uh, furnace side of it, the coo- the cooling side really isn't a serious thing because it's not really health. You know, there's not a whole lot of health right. to it. So you get into the fire, you have a you know, a firebox in your basement, there's some safety concerns there that need to be looked at. And that flu we talked about earlier, carbon monoxide we talked about earlier, all that needs to be looked at. The hot water heater needs to be looked at. I mean, you got kids in the house, you in the house, you're out there sleeping at night, and you're breathing carbon monoxide. That's a huge thing. And it could take 30 minutes to figure out what we got going on, how we can save it, fix it. You know, that to me is it's worth every penny to have some guy come out and just check it. Peace of mind is worth a lot to Right. Make. And I think that, that many homeowners are aware uh, that they probably should have. We, we would just call this regular service of their HVAC unit um, and, and either once a year or, or twice a year. I, I think maybe highlighting why that's important and the kinds of things that can be checked because I, it, it's, kind of like, uh, it's kind of like people with their cars – uh, people who say they're car people and they're really not, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. So they they pull the thing off and they go, oh yeah, it doesn't look like there's any dust down there or anything. We're good. So um, so yeah, definitely uh, a home maintenance expense that's very worth it that can save you uh, lots of money in the long run and then um, also potentially um, mitigate anything that's going to create a health problem as well. Yeah. So very good. Got a couple of quick questions. Uh, uh, s- uh, smart thermostats. Uh, good, not good. Should we be using them? Should we not? Uh, depends on the person, I guess. Would be the thing that comes down to it. People who are kind of tech savvy that like that control. I mean, there's there, but there's a lot to it. Just like anything, all the bells and whistles you get on a brand new car. There's things that can go wrong, and there's things that won't. Compared to the old standard battery powered on off, um, it's personal preference. I like standard, easy going. You know, it's either working or it's not. When you get into a computer on the wall it can malfunction. It'll have different settings, you know, that can go wrong with it. And it would take me forever to diagnose whether what it was about that thermostat. So I just have to deem it's the thermostat. You know, it's just not seeing the signal. I don't know what's going on internally because there's more oh, bells and sure. whistles that I know what to do with. So I'm more of a basic person, but again, I've, I've had Nest, you know, I've had the Ecobees, I've had all those, I've put them in for people. And most people do their research before they buy a thermostat anyways. They've already had their mind set up before I get there. This is the one I want. I've already bought it. Will you put it on the wall for me? And so, you know, it, it would take me forever to learn every aspect of every stat, you know, when it comes to smart stats. So I, I end up with more problems from the <laughs> electronic thermostats and misuse from the user because of the misinformation or the lack of understanding than ever with just your basic thermostat that operates very simply. Yep. Well, I think I think mentioning all the bells and the whistles on the car is a is a really good analogy because we all when we, if you buy a new car you uh, you immediately get the book out and you start to read like I want to read book. every every book you don't everything you get an do. app now uh, whatever they sit at the dealership and walk you through an app mm-hmm. but I mean you you, you 
Okay, I'm old. Uh, so, but you you go through and you're like, oh yeah, that's cool. And I and then you know after driving it for a year, you don't use half of that on stuff. off cool heat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> no, I think I think that for for energy savings, I think the programmable ones, right? Which what when you when I say smart, I think programmable, and you guys are thinking phone app. Yeah. Um, but I think the programmable ones are are a pretty significant um, positive lifestyle thing. too. That's yeah. a huge thing. Is whose lifestyle? If you're if you're the type of person who's going to be home all day, or if you're stay-at-home mom, you know, programmable really doesn't fly because they kind of have, I want it this temperature while I'm in the house. Right. The guy who works, you know, 8 to 3, 8 to 4, and then he, I want it this temperature when I'm here and this temperature when I'm gone. Eight, you know, eight that, to 3, <laughs> who gets to work those hours? <laughs> you know, or so. however it works, you know, they get to they get to pick what they want to do and how, how, you know, how the stat runs. The Nest thermostat, so a learning thermostat, so it's supposed to learn off your curve for the first week. You tell it what to do, you know, you turn it down. Well, it doesn't take into consideration life changes, you know, on temperature changes, all this stuff. So it starts trying to learn your patterns, and it starts doing it without you, you know. And then one day when you're home, you're like, why is it so hot in the house? Why is it so cold in the house? It's over there doing its own thing. Gotcha. I'm old school. I set it on one degree, and I leave it. Yeah. And it's just like if, I'm, if, I, you know, if I don't make it home in time, oh, well, it's that degree when I get home. I can, I'll tough it out. You know, the only time I touch it is like if we're in there cooking a big meal, it's getting real hot in the house. I'll go, okay, we'll bump it down two or three degrees, and then we'll you know, make up for it while we're cooking. But otherwise, it just stays right sure. where it's at year-round. All right. Um, you mentioned this earlier, uh, air duct cleaning. Right, so that's a that's an interesting thing. I've even thought about it. Like, um, should I get my air ducts clean? Was there an advantage to that? What's your opinion on that? Well, um, a study I was reading last year said that they're, uh, they're guessing that there's going to be between 30 pounds of dead skin in your ductwork a year as it accumulates. Whoa! It seems extremely high to me, you know, and— um, 30 get... pounds of dead skin in our ductwork? Yeah. That's gross! Yeah, but I've seen, <laughs> I've seen amounts of dog hair. I've seen layers of hair where they've owned different pets, and one layer's been there, the pet's gone, they've got another one, and its hair is on top. Almost like you know, like blankets stacked on a bed. Oh you wow! Can see this it. is really getting gross. You're oh, now I'm gonna have to go get my duct clean. <laughs> the you know the the filters they'll take a toll. They should be able to tell you right there what your filters look like. If you um, see a lot of dirt in your filters all the time, where are you getting the dirt from? You know, then you move into somebody's house. You're got other people's dead skin particles, toys, trash, dog hair, and the vents from the people that lived there before you or before them. You know, you're breathing that air. I mean, so. Once you get your ductwork clean, you'll see a huge difference just in air quality. The way it even, like, I know it sounds silly, but the way you breathe it, it feels different. It feels cleaner. It feels lighter. And like I said, that I've never had my ductwork clean. Like, I, I never have. And then here I was in the last three years. I was like, well, you know what? I'll probably get into it now that I've cut in enough ductwork. I've installed enough, you know. Once you do new home construction and you feel new equipment on new ductwork and the, just you can put your face in front of it, you know, like a car, like a new car on the AC, you can just breathe it. It feels different. You know, and then you go into an older house where you put the AC in. You're like, it just doesn't feel the same to me. Huh. Like, I don't know why. And it's just the dirt. And then you cut open the bottom of your ductwork, and you just take it down real slowly, and you'll find that there's an inch of just dirt and dog hair and cat hair and, you know, there's you know, dead mice, mice poop. I mean, you'll yeah, find all mice. kinds it's, of stuff in there in the that you don't know it's yeah. in there. And like I said, there's a lot of companies out there. There's, there's guys going out there saying, oh, you know, we'll do your whole duct cleaning for $99. That's, that's a scam. Everybody needs to know that on Swap Shop. That is not real. Nobody's going to come in and spend hours of their day and the materials and the chemicals and everything for $99. That's to get in the door to tell you well, later on, oh, hey, you know what, we we got to add this charge. And it's, you know, it's this per vent. Sure. You know, it's $100 per vent. We forgot to tell you that. Main trunk, sweeping, 
the uh, the fumigator we put inside there to seal the ductwork to keep it resistant, it's almost like a wax of the ductwork to keep dirt from sticking. They put this in the ductwork once it's cleaned, and it'll it'll allow the you know the dirt to fly down the ductwork into your filter and stay clean longer. Right. But you know after you've neglected for 10, 15, 20 years, now you're just you know you you just stick into it like Velcro. It's just everything just <laughs> sticks in there. And yeah, you'd be amazed at the things that you find in there once you start sweeping them out. Wow. All right, so there you go. Get your duck works, ducks cleaned. Get your duct work cleaned. So I, I, I now I'm going to have to start finding a company to do that. I'm sure you'll have some suggestions yep. I get from you. I do it too. I oh, do, do you? Well. Yeah, we oh, just we well, just started doing didn't, it. Didn't even know that. So there yeah, you go. We started doing it because there was there's a lot of uh, contractors out there that are doing the ninety nine dollars, and there's ones that cost thousands of dollars. And so we we're like, well, how do we get in there and you know get in front of this, give people knowledge that they need. You know, come out and cut a hole right there in your ductwork and pull it down and show you the pizza plate of dirt that you have in there and let you stick the camera up in there, your cell phone, whatever, and see what you're really looking like. And then we make sure that we show you the before, and then you come down, stick your head back in there and show you the after. And then we have it in bags of how much dirt is really in your ductwork. We keep it in clear bags so you can see it and that you know that, you know, it's not just a little sweep and you're done and you think, oh, it's clean and there's still dirt in there. We do every single vent individually, the dryer vents, and then we come down the main trunks, return and supply, and then before you know it, you've got a 30-pound trash bag out there full of toys and this and that. And <laughs> wow. All kinds How of long nastiness. does it take you guys? About three and a half hours to usually do a, like an 1,800-square-foot home, uh, just your normal kind of like ranch style. Crawl spaces and attics take longer, of course, because anything with flex ductwork, the hoses and the tools take a little while because you don't want to poke holes in it. Sure. So you run down the you, know, you run down the brushes and you run down the air compressors and you run all that stuff down the vents. And you knock everything loose on all the walls and the bottoms, sweep it all to the main trunks, and then you sweep the trunks. And then you run these little chemicals down them, all the vents, all good chemicals, seal them. And that way you got a nice little fresh smell when it's all done. It's sealed, should keep dust from sticking for years on end. And then, you know, every, I would guess every four to five years, I'd have somebody come out and just clean it. You know, just check it out, clean it. But your filter will tell you pretty much what you're Who getting. Who knew? Well, when, when when we're done recording here, you're going to talk about the house, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then yeah, we'll yeah. we'll figure that out. Um, we're we're run out of time, so I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody who's a guest on our podcast. What's the uh, and we'll stick to residential because I know you work on commercial stuff as well. Uh, what's the craziest thing you've seen in, in your work in the residential HVAC work? Oh man, like. <laughs> I've seen a lot of craziness here lately. Um, well, give us just, one good one. Well, I thought the flu one was a pretty crazy one. I didn't think that that was ever, like, I didn't think that was even possible, how you could knock off a chimney stack and, you know, plywood right over it and just forget about it. I didn't think that was even <laughs> feasible. But um, just, uh, I guess, it would be finding cats in ductwork. I mean, that's been one that now I'm kind of horrified yeah. about sticking my arm down inside people's floor vents because animals crawl down there to get warm, and they decease in the ductwork, and... Somebody lived through the smell for so long that they, you know, it just went away eventually. And then somebody else bought the house, and you went in there. Well, they had a vent that they could, just couldn't get any air out of. And I went down there to the main trunk, and I looked, and there was no dampers on it. There was no shutoffs, you know. So I was like, obviously, it's getting air. And then you could put your hand on there, and nothing was coming up. So I used a piece of toilet paper to hold it above the floor. I thought, still no air is coming out of this thing. There's got to be something wrong with this vent. There's got to be something in it. And so you couldn't, you know, it was above a finished ceiling, so you really couldn't cut it out. So I thought, what we'll do is we'll take the duct cleaning tools and we'll stick them down in there. Well, I shoved the rod down there and it stopped within a foot or so. Like it just bam, bam, something hard. And I thought, something is in here. And so I decided to reach my hand in there, you know, and I got down in there and I felt something fuzzy. And it oh. scared me. So I, I bailed out and I thought, 
you know, all right, you know, you're a grown man. Get your hand back in there and figure out what it is. <laughs> so I reached in there and I felt it and it was just rock hard and fuzzy. And I thought, it's a stuffed animal. It's a toy. It's a doll. It's a, it's a cat. It's an old cat that's been in there for, I don't know how many years. It's an old cat. It's a half decomposed cat. It's a half decomposed cat. And it was, it was awful once I stirred it up, once I brought it out. And it was, uh, it was, it was horrible. Oh, no. Yeah, and the lady Ooh. says, the lady kept telling me, she's like, I don't own a cat. I don't own a cat. <laughs> You're like, oh, was it your cat? Yeah, somebody, um, we're really sorry. Yeah, but, uh, did. but now you're going to have some air. Yeah. So. And it worked perfectly after that cat was out of the way. Oh, oh my gosh. How did that cat even get down there? Because it should have a cover. They don't have covers. A lot of people take the covers off. What? When they redo the carpets and the floor. Uh, and the covers don't. But you got to put them back on. They don't. <laughs> they don't. But you, you could fall in there. Your kid's foot. Anything. You'd be amazed. They don't. They really don't. I don't know why. They don't put... Um, like put your register thing. covers back put on, people. Yeah, don't. you don't want a dead cat crawling down there. Uh, down, it wasn't dead when it crawled down I mean, there. you don't yeah. want a cat crawling right. in there and dying. When That's you go downstairs, what. put your furnace doors back on. Put the doors back on the hot water heaters. You know, People go down there and they tinker with them, and they, they spend a couple minutes trying to figure out how it goes back, and they can't figure it out, so they just leave them off. Yeah. Same My other PSA, don't leave laundry stacked up near your furnace or <laughs> near your um, water heater. I actually, years ago now, thankfully this is only happened one time but somebody stacked enough laundry up that it's somehow that caused the fire you can't breathe the furnace doors have you know, so gotta breathe through the front. don't stack your laundry up that close to your things keep it away all right well we're out of time miles uh, you know first of all thanks so much for being on the podcast we really appreciate it and and thanks so much for really being a consumer focused uh, uh, service person in the hvac world that that uh, I know Jen and I both trust you very much, and I uh, just want to tell our listeners that you can definitely trust Miles to have your best interest in mind. I mean, you've educated me so much over just the last couple of years in HVAC. I really appreciate it. How do people get a hold of you, right? Because now I've talked you up, so yeah. somebody might actually buy. <laughs> might believe me. They might me. want duct cleaning or yeah. their right. HVAC or new system. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can get a hold of us on Facebook. We're on Facebook at American T E M P. Uh, we have a website, americantemperature.com, uh, solutions.com. Uh, americantemperaturesolutions.com. Okay. Um, you know, they've got um, the email, americantemperaturesolutions at gmail, you know, uh, or my phone number, 816-266-5932. Call or text. Um, all the guys that work for me, like I said, ever, um, they'll get through dispatch. They'll come out, and they're all like-minded, just like me. I personally handpick everybody. So I don't just hire to hire. So I had to go through a little bit of testing to figure out whether I can trust them. And, you know, I trust all of them enough. I mean, I sent them out for Jen. Oh, yeah. We've talked about your vetting process and and, and, uh, how impressive it is. You met Wyatt. I mean, he's solid. I mean, mean, Mm -hmm. they're they're all pretty solid people, so. All right. Well, everybody, that's all we have for today. Miles, thank you once again for being on Get Real KC. And uh, everybody will be back with another great episode. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.